Hello, people. <laughs> You're my first guest to address the listening audience as though you are an alien overlord. <laughs> I always like when I walk into a room and, and I don't know anyone, I like to shout people of Earth. <laughs> Hello, people of Earth. I am your leader. Take you to me. Um, Kistler, right? Yes. Did I nail it? Awesome. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. I realize with the podcast that sometimes I have friends on that I don't actually say their last name a lot because... <laughs> I, I totally had that situation on my own podcast. No, yeah, I, I, I usually cheat by having them introduce themselves. <laughs> that, that is a really good idea. Oh, yeah. It's so simple. Yeah. I normally check somewhere, but I just got cocky. Like, I think the, I think the T sound is supposed to be pronounced. It is. It is. Kistler. And, and uh, it's because it's got that Germanic quality to it then. Yeah. You know, your Twitter and social media profile is Alan Sizzler Kistler. Yes. Right? Do you use Sizzler in real life when you introduce yourself? I, I have often. It started as a nickname in high school, and it got to a point where so many people were calling me that or introducing me as Sizzler that there were many people by the end of my high school career and into college who didn't know that that wasn't my real name. <laughs> and so depending on who you asked, they thought it was Sizzler Kistler or Alan Sizzler. Okay. And... I would I would be at I remember at prom like at the at the pre prom dinner with me and my friends, uh, one of the girls mentioning oh yeah Alan did this hilarious thing yesterday and one of the guys there who I knew socially like we weren't <laughs> best friends but we hung out several times in groups he's like who the hell's Alan and it was like, Sizzler it's like oh you didn't say Sizzler it's like how an would actual the way an actual nickname works right yeah exactly and and uh, I even I even went out uh, with a girl who like I think was the second date into it she realized Sizzler was not actually my first name so she just took um, it as that's what you want to be called like this no she like took a... it as like my parents were weird oh and okay. gave me this oddly <laughs> musical name of yeah. Sizzler Kistler I yeah. I I thought it was like just sort of like this uh, person you're on a date with walked out of Greece and thought that's normal. <laughs> <laughs> you would call people nicknames like Sizzler. Yeah, I mean, the, and nicknames were were fairly common with a few of my friends in high school, and it okay. was just it's it was how you did it. And uh, and then when I went to college, one of my roommates, by sheer chance, was a kid I went to high school with. And so he walked in the room like, Sizzler, what are you doing? And so like everyone <laughs> heard that, and I'm like, Yeah, I guess I'll keep using it. But then when I would do some shows. And in the playbill I put Alan Kistler, I realized not everyone knew that was right. me. They Because they might have thought I was Alan Sizzler or that I was Sizzler Kistler. <laughs> and so I would have, again, guys that I saw socially. It always seemed to be guys, uh, like mainly. Um, Idiots. Who, who really, they would ask me, so is Alan Kistler like a stage name? So you're taking more seriously? <laughs> One guy asked me that. And, 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 and so for simplicity's sake... I started signing things as Alan Sizzler Kistler. Nice. So that whatever I was doing, however you knew me, you would know that was me. Right. And and when I started social media, it just seemed like the thing to do. And also it made me stand out because uh, there were a couple other Alan Kistlers online right. and, and stuff like that. So it was like, well, you know, anyone who knows me, anyone who, who knows my work or who knew me in, in high school and college, they can find Alan Sizzler Kistler. And they know that is me. Yeah. And now your initials are ASK, right? Exactly. Which is, which, is cool. which was one of the things that I really liked because half of what I've been doing since high school is I answer a lot of questions. People, if there's some pop culture thing or something about comic books or, yeah. or Doctor Who or something, they would say ASK Sizzler. It just seems so <laughs> appropriate to make those my initials. Well, now you need to start a new podcast. Ask Sizzler. Ask Sizzler. <laughs> People just think it's about like how to grill beef. Right. <laughs> we we had at Shore Leave, uh, which is a Star Trek uh, 
It started off as a Star Trek-themed fan convention in Baltimore, and now it's become more of a tie-in novel convention. Uh, we did have one panel. It was me, uh, novelist David Allen Mack, and Bob Greenberger, who's also a comic book historian, and he used to work at Marvel in D.C., and it was just called Ask Us Anything, <laughs> where people could ask us whatever they wanted, and we would explain it, whether it was actually an explanation from the comics or sci-fi, or us completely making something up to cover that continuity hole. And it was, nice. it was one of the most fun panels I've been on. <laughs> the continuity hole with Alan Sizzler Kitzler. Uh, could you tell people a little bit about what you do? You kind of hinted at it. But. Right, so I have been for about nine or ten years now uh, professionally working, writing as a uh, entertainment journalist focusing on comic books and geeky matter and also as a comic book historian. And I've shown up on various DC Comics documentaries on some awesome. of their animated features. I'm going to be on the next one, uh, Batman Bad Blood. So you'll hear me talking about uh, certain side characters in the Batman universe, certain spinoff characters. Uh, you can also find me on JLA New Frontier, just like awesome. New Frontier, uh, that DVD, The Adventures of Aquaman DVD, The Plastic Man DVD. I'm on the Blu-ray, but not the DVD of Superman <laughs> Batman Apocalypse, where I okay. talk a lot about the new gods. So I show up on documentaries like that. I get asked by CNN for comments here and there. Cool. Uh, I, uh, I help out certain people. I act as a consulting geek for certain projects. Nice. And I've also written a lot about so not just the history and evolution of comic books and certain sci-fi franchises and certain forms of fiction like vampire fiction, but also about representation in them, uh, societal messages, political messages, LGBT themes and yeah. characters, stuff like that. And uh, yeah, so that that's actually been the bigger focus of the past few years is feminism and representation. Awesome. In your Doctor Who book, uh, was a New York Times bestseller, right? Yes, Doctor Who: A History, which which is going behind the scenes, and it's sort of it's on two tracks. One, it's showing you the construction of the narrative as we were learning more about the mythology of the Time Lords and how does the TARDIS work and what yeah. is the Doctor's deal. And the other track is all the behind the scenes drama: who came up with what, what ideas were thrown out. We even start with the original pitch document, which I always find fascinating to look at those original pitches. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was a great time putting it together. I also did the audiobook, and, uh, yeah. Cool. So you have just a huge amount to offer as an obsessed guy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and you know, I always email people, and you, you made many good uh, offers, but I, I wanted to talk about your obsession with Superman. Sure. Uh, because poor Superman, I think, doesn't get addressed as often as a lot of things. I've done a Doctor Who episode. Uh, I've done a Batman episode, and I would be happy to do other episodes in that general world. But, like, no one in many years of doing this podcast, I'm sure many people I've talked to, like Superman, but no one said, I want to talk about Superman. <laughs> Poor Superman. I love talking about Superman. I really do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's... I mean, growing up, he was not my favorite character. I, I think my favorite character was definitely Spider-Man. That was sort of my... Once I got into comics, Spider-Man The Flash were sort of my introductions, and, and I just devoured Spider-Man. And then as I got into Batman, I thought he was great, and yeah, discovering all these. And Superman really came around high school, and it was sort of this slow burn where at some point I realized, oh my god, I really love Superman. He's not just a character I respect. Like, I freaking love 
Superman and yeah. his whole universe. I think it makes sense that people kind of grow into him because they're going to, if you start reading comics young or watching, you know, superhero media, you're going to relate to Spider-Man or the Teen Titans or characters that are your age or facing your traumas. And with Batman, his youth is kind of always present in a way because we're so obsessed with his origin story. Right. It's his motivation. That, that I, and he also doesn't have power, so you can relate to him. But Superman always does kind of seem like your dad. So you, it takes, I think, a certain age to start to even begin to identify with the idea of having uh, that kind of power and that kind of responsibility and that kind of the relationships that he has with other superheroes. I think there's also that youthful angst and cynicism that just goes so well with a lot of other superheroes. Right. Spider-Man's a smartass. Batman beats everyone. <laughs> yeah, Bat Batman's a very primal character. And he, and he has a moral code that actually is not dissimilar to Superman's. But because of how he dresses, because of how he, he puts on this air of I am the knight, yeah. uh, we, we look at it as very primal and it's very cathartic. And I used to joke about 10 years ago, so in, in my early 20s, I would joke, we wish Superman were real, but we want to be Batman. We want to be that guy that walks into the room and people know, oh, he could kick our asses. And now I'm in my 30s, I think, actually, I want to be Superman. Yeah. I, I want to be that that kind of a cat that, that and, and live my life with those attitudes. Be and, kind of like totally above board. A little bit, yeah, 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 and uh, and also the thing is, as I've gotten older, uh, and and I read more of his comics, it's also become apparent to me that, for the most part, most people who have tackled Superman over the past like thirty or forty years, even, don't know what the hell to do with him. Yeah. So really, there are great Superman stories here and there, but when people really seem to get him and how to approach him. The last time was really, I think, in the 60s and, and partially in the 70s. And, and that also affects things because, you know, with Batman, if, if you just got into comics now, people can easily point to stories of the past 15 years alone. That's like, that's a great Batman story. And that's, that's something that anyone who, even if you're not into comics, you will understand that Batman story. Right. You'll like it. And you'll rock. Same thing with Spider-Man. And Superman... For various reasons, uh, whether it's an editor disapproving of a certain tone or thinking it's old-fashioned or certain writers not getting it or certain readers just not responding to something, there are a couple Superman stories of the past 15 years like, yes, that's, that's it. But mm -hmm. it's not the same amount. And it's, again, it's not as primal and as cathartic as, as a Batman one is where it's stop the psycho. Yeah. You know? So, so yeah, it's a tougher character and, and, uh. It's in a lot of those a lot of the stories when people don't get it, they do easily fall into a trap of not making him very interesting or making him too invincible. Yeah. And, and, I, and yeah. I think I think those things are interesting about him. I mean, to me, he's like an adult superhero because in the incarnations of Superman that I like, he feels like he is doing the superhero version of like dealing with the mortgage. Like, yeah, he is doing <laughs> adult things. He has a lot of power and he sees things from a, a big picture perspective. Right. And he's trying to do the right thing with all of the power that he has. And that is to me like, yeah, it's not as sexy as a bat crash through my window. And so I must dress up as one right. and, and punch people <laughs> in the dark. And Oh God. Uh, but it's really, really fascinating in a different way. And it, it's also, I think part of it is, is uh, since the mid eighties or the early eighties, 
you know, with comic books, Frank Miller, Alan Moore, they did some great deconstructionist stories, but then this attitude started coming of, well, comic books have to be for older people now. It's got to be stubble. And right, it's and be... Superman just became the uptight guy who's not as cool as Batman. Well, because Superman is unapologetically a superhero just when you look at him. Yeah. Like, there's, he's, he's telling you, I'm the superhero. I'm the I'm the mold for the superhero. Yeah, and I don't apologize for my bright colors. <laughs> Spider Man looks weird enough, and he's also a smartass. So we sort of forgive him, but with Superman, you know, there's there's no explanation for the costume. Really, you can come up with all the alien culture uh, uh, explanations, but really, it comes down to he's Superman. Yes, and he this is, is what Superman wears. An icon. Yeah. Right. Whereas with Batman. We got into this idea of we constantly have to justify and disguise that he's wearing costume by talking about body armor, by talking about motorcycle helmets that yeah. are fitted to him and, and all this stuff. And jazz. if nothing else, if you want to go more iconic, just to strike terror. Just to, to strike terror. Fearful. Yeah. And, and you, you come up with all these layers of justifications just to say there's a guy dressed as a bat. Yeah. Uh, so I think there is, in our minds, we, we have been, in order to keep Batman from seeming like a kid's hero, we've added all these layers of justification, which in Batman's world, which is more violent and darker, you can do. In Superman's world, because it's so unapologetic, yeah. it is harder to do that, which honestly has become more the thrill for me. I love that it's unapologetic. In the yeah, same way that absolutely. I love it. It's like, it is like Doctor Who to me, where it's just unapologetically... High flying concept, high action, bizarre threats, and and this really cool altruistic person. Yeah, and I think that that any creators of Superman could take a lesson from the new series of Doctor Who, in which they took everything that was too weird and just really worked at making it iconic. Yeah, I'm saying it's, instead of it being too weird that this machine is a blue box that has some tangential connection to police from a long time ago in Britain, uh, that it's iconic Yeah, in making it its own thing. And I think that the Man of Steel movie kind of tried to bat that around with the hope thing, that his symbol means hope. But yeah, it would be really great to just have Superman be blatant about, like, yes, I dress up as bright and clean because I think the world can be bright and clean and... People will learn to know my ass, you know? And even, and even if the world is dark, he is still the light in it. He, yeah. He's allowed to be the bright person in it. It's that, that symbol of hope thing, it comes from uh, Superman Birthright, which is a comic book series done by Mark Wade and Laniel Yu, and is still my favorite version of the Superman origin. Mm -hmm. uh, I just think it's dynamite. I think that's the best modernization we've had. Uh, Grant Morrison's early run on action comics, I thought, also had amazing stuff. But overall, I, I just there's something about Birthright I just uh, prefer. And in it, Mark Wade brought back the idea that had been introduced in radio and then in in the movies with Christopher Reeve that the Kryptonian symbol is that the S is a Kryptonian symbol. And and Mark Wade thought, well, he's not the last son of the house of L. He's the last son of Krypton. Mm -hmm. So instead of, while it might have been the, the L family crest, let's say it had deeper meaning for Kryptonians, that it had a greater meaning. Yeah. And so he came up with that idea of it means hope, it means fighting for a better tomorrow. This is what Kryptonian astronauts wore when, when they explored the stars. And so I dug the Man of Steel, took it, but at the same time, it still seemed to apologize for it because it, yep. deadens, it deadens the colors and then Jor-El is wearing it, 
But Jor-El has all this other crap on top of it. <laughs> there are all these like weird, it looks like webbing yeah. that's doing its best to disguise that it looks like an S in the shield. So so you're taking the hope explanation, but you're still apologizing for what it looks yeah. like. For me, the, the tone of that scene and the way it was delivered was it means hope and also, please take us seriously. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I do take you seriously. It's Superman. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we, we know what movie we walked into. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you, what is your earliest memory of Superman? We were talking a little bit about kind of when Superman comes into our lives. Can you remember the first time you were aware of Superman? It's, it sort of jumbles in my head between uh, Christopher Reeve but also George Reeves of the black and white uh, 50s TV show, which later became color, and the Adventures of Superboy live action show. Okay. Because uh, I, was, I was a kid in the 80s, and I, I know I'd seen a couple of Super Friends cartoons before then in the legendary Superpower show, but I didn't really watch them. Yeah. Um, they were just on, and, and here were a few. I, I, I liked Batman at that age, and everyone else was just sort of there. <laughs> and, uh, and and Superman didn't really stand out from the other heroes there. He was one of other heroes. And uh, I, I did watch The Adventures of Superboy, which is now, and I look back, and it's such a bizarre adaptation, where he's attending college in Florida, and in the third season, they have him essentially working for a division of the FBI that investigates aliens. Yeah. Like, there's no daily plan to speak of. <laughs> um, but it, it was building this mythology into me about certain things about Krypton. And, and the, the George Reeves, I really think seeing a few reruns of George Reeves along with the Super Friends might have been my very first encounter with with the Superman uh, mythos. Yeah, because I'm, I'm just fascinated by how Superman, in, I think rightfully so, in his position as the first true full superhero. Yes. That he seems to just be, in our culture, in osmosis. Right. And I think that Batman is now, but maybe wasn't back in the day. Right. Um, and that that's kind of his rightful position, that he has just this sort of, he exists. There's always a presence of him, really, since, since because, uh, I mean, you have... The radio show began just a year after the comic book came out. Mm -hmm. Then the cartoon serials began a year after that. And then a few years after that is when we got Kirk Allen as the first live-action guy. And he does it consistently for a while. And then you have George Reeves in a movie, which then spins off into the TV show. Yeah, He does that for about a decade. Uh, the 60s, we don't really have... Uh, too much of a presence except for there are some Superman cartoon shorts and Superboy cartoon shorts. But that's still, that's a decade of, of where Superman's around. You've also got the Broadway show, It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's <laughs> Superman. Or I think it was just It's a Bird, It's a Plane. Uh, that was during the 60s. 70s, we finally got Christopher Reeve. Yeah. And we started that franchise of films. And as that franchise of films ends, you get... The Adventures of Superboy and a new Superman cartoon premiering on the 50th anniversary. And even the, the decade before that is when you've got Super Friends, Superpowers. And then when Superboy gets off the air, it's not too much later that Lois and Clark comes on the air. Yeah. And then you've got the animated series, and that closes out the 90s and 21st century. And Justice League comes on, that continues the animated series, and at the same time Smallville starts, and that's 10 yeah. years. And 
During that time, we get Brandon Routh and Superman Returns. Now we've got Man of Steel. And Smallville's been gone for a couple of years, but Supergirl is now starting. So you've still got the Kryptonian mythos yeah. infecting and, television. And, and that's all, almost all media. And, yeah. And also, if, even if you, like didn't watch television or had some weird disease where you couldn't see or hear movies. Uh, there's underwear. There's lunchbox. Yeah. There's, you know, he's, he's just sort of They're terrible video games. <laughs> They're very ter- terrible. Some of the video worst games. video games I've ever played. I would love um, to write a good Superman video game. Let me ask you this, uh, and perhaps you can roll it into a video game question fascinatingly. What is your take on the debate of which character is the mask? Is Clark Kent the mask, or is Superman the mask? Oh, Clark Kent's the mask, but it's a very honest mask. <laughs> it's and, and I mean that completely seriously. It, the, the original intention is... Uh, I mean, even that George Reeves series, who disguised as Clark Kent, that's, that's the phrase. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing is that uh, Clark, even if you're trying to have him be the real person... He has to disguise every, like at least part of who he truly is, of what he can do. Even th- this idea of him being the real person, Superman as the mask. I get it, but two things: one doesn't quite work because he he has to, as honest as he is about his opinions now, conceal exactly what he can do right. and some of the knowledge he has and some of the experience he has. So that's not a truth. Um, Mark Wade also has pointed out between the two of them, who's wearing something on his face to conceal it. Right. And the other thing is that I am for everything that you can do to keep a character standing out from other characters in that story. And if you say that, Superman is sort of his professional face that he puts on and Clark is the actual true person. Then you're making him just like Spider-Man, just like so many other superheroes. Whereas it is much more interesting to me and to the original creators, this is what they thought of, to to have Clark be a disguise. But again, an honest disguise. Yeah, what do you think his personality traits are as Clark Kent that are different than Superman? What makes him unique as Clark Kent? What the difference with Clark Kent is that Clark Kent uh, will not join into a physical altercation. He doesn't like physical confrontation, and doesn't doesn't always believe in in uh, sort of showing your guns to the enemy. But if you look at those original comics, uh, he is still a dynamic reporter. He has to be if he's if he's really. There have been stories that have made him this overly meek, oh, my stomach's queasy, I should probably... Yeah, meek reporter is hard to get away with. (laughs) Yeah, he would be fired. He's an investigative journalist. And even in the Christopher Reeve films, where it is a bit of a cartoon, he is going over the top, a lot of the movies over the top. Even in that version, if you listen to Christopher Reeve's dialogue as Clark Kent, Clark is never saying anything that Superman does not believe. Mm Mm-hmm. He is only presenting it in a way that makes him look like he is not confident about himself or that he's more socially inept. There's, there's a great bit where Perry White is talking about some attack and some killing. You know, what do you make of that, Kent? And Christopher Reeve just, just sort of looks down. Well, I don't understand violence in any form, sir. He's not <laughs> lying. Yeah. Superman does not get violence. He doesn't get desire to, to create violence. 
and, and Clark Kent is just speaking that opinion. Also, in the Christopher Reeve movie, Clark has known Lois for a day and asks her out, and when a, when a thief comes up, armed with a gun, he stands between her and the gun. So, there is a meekness, but he's not a coward. And yeah. I think some, some, not just fans, but also creatives, have put him in the role of Clark acting like a coward. And, and of course, we don't want to do that because why would someone pretend to be a coward in front of other people? And yeah, that's not the right interpretation. I mean, the, the symbolism was you had these two, you know, Jewish nerds from Cleveland make this character and who were bespectacled nerds and... Classic. OG nerds. Yeah. And, and they would think, you know, I get judged by my appearance... But if people just listen to what I said, and, and maybe if I could do something to show them yeah. what is so obvious to me. And, and that's the thing. Like, Clark Clark is, is someone who we should be able to tell he's Superman, never mind the glasses in the face. Like, just by what he does, by the stories he pursues. And, and that's also what a wonderful disguise that is. There are things that Superman cannot tackle through fighting. Clark can tackle through media exposés, right. through interviews, and, and also the fact that this is an activity, writing, that his superpowers give no advantage to, other than maybe fast typing. And, <laughs> Some information gathering. You know, but, but even that, it's, it's, you know, to be a good writer, you've just got to be a good writer. It doesn't matter if you can run faster than a train, or pick up a train, or kill someone by burning them with your eyes. Like, he's... And, and I love that they've tackled that in a lot of more modern stories. Cool. Uh, so yeah. give, given uh, your awesome interpretation of Clark Kent, would you play, to bring it back to video games, would you play a Clark Kent-only video game? I actually, I, I've talked about with video games, there, there's a lot you can do with just storytelling of Clark and Lois. Uh, so it would be a romantic sort of... No, 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 no. I mean, you can you can include romance. So you absolutely. You mash the button to make them kiss. <laughs> yeah, it, but uh, it, it, that sounds like such a pleasant version of some of the some of the scenes in God of War. Um, <laughs> but the uh, Clark and Lois are such a great team, and there's a lot of evidence to also say that while while Clark may be Superman, Lois is the better writer. Lois is the better reporter. Mm -hmm. So I could easily envision a Telltale uh, type game. Oh, nice! Yeah, where where you're both being journalists, and it's and it's about finding the truth and finding the evidence for things that Superman cannot directly fight, uh, which is also something that that was in the 1930s and, and 40s stories, and it's something we've come back to that there are situations. Superman cannot directly get involved in either because uh, it's not something you can punch or because in situations with the Middle East, he is seen as an American presence and right. so he has to be sensitive about that. But I do like that, yeah, in the very early comic books and cartoons, he actually does a lot of investigative journalist yeah. journalism really just to find out who to punch. Yeah, that too. <laughs> Which I never and thought about it that way. I always thought about it, you know, as just like, hey, we're spending some time with Clark Kent as the lead up to Superman. But really what he's doing is figuring out exactly what he's going, what's going on so he doesn't punch the wrong person. Exactly. No, Superman, Superman believes in, in morality, and part of morality is taking responsibility for your actions, and that means making sure that you've targeted the right person. And, and the, the Superman radio show is really fascinating because, especially those first dozen or so episodes... It's mostly Clark Kent. 
And Clark Kent is viewed by others, just as he was in the comics at the time, as someone who maybe he doesn't want to get into a fight, but is otherwise pretty brave and is trusted with hard-hitting crime journalism and, and is seen as a very intelligent guy. And Superman was just sort of his gun. Mm-hmm. Like, once, once there was a situation where he really couldn't get out of this, that's when Superman shows up. Yeah. So, um, if Superman was real and you could sit down with him and have a drink, what would you want to ask him about? I mean, I'd, I'd ask about, uh, you know, one thing you have to remember is this guy has these insane senses mm-hmm. and can perceive most, if not all, of the electromagnetic spectrum, depending on which version of yeah. the character you look at. He should be able to perceive it all. Yeah, I, I, and, I, and I honestly prefer that interpretation anyway. It's, it's, it leads to some fascinating stuff. There was a novel called Miracle Monday by Elliot S. Magan, which has inspired Grant Morrison and Mark Wade and Scott Snyder and others, where Clark, at I think age 12 or something, Lana is trying to get his attention. He seems to have his head in the clouds, and she's like, oh, you're such a space case. And what's actually happening is he's realized he can see radio waves. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to get, he's trying to memorize the patterns so he can start translating what, radio, what these means. What, what is music, what is words, and all this, all this jazz. And that he sees colors around people and he thought about coming up with a name for them. But then what's the point? No one else can see them. And it, <laughs> Poor and lonely Superman. And it has uh, this, it has this line. Yeah. He would be lonely, but he would never be bored. So I'd love to talk to him about with these perceptions, uh, is there any way, what can we learn from how you see the world? You know, what, what are you perceiving? Can you see the unified field? Right. Can, can you, and on top of that, do you ever feel like that just continues to separate you because, you know, you can see through any special effect in a movie and, you know, Mark, Mark Wade and Greg Ruck and I one time talked on Twitter about how we think one of the reasons Lois would be a better writer is that it's hard for Clark to imagine certain things or, or come up with right. certain metaphor because he sees things almost too literally. And, and you know, he doesn't... We, we can talk poetically about what another planet might be like, but he, he will register like, oh yeah, it has this atmosphere and has this content in the sky and has these particles made of this. Yeah. So and you think sort of his perception makes him a science nerd. Yeah. Has oh, a hard time turning that huge, off. I think he'd be a huge science nerd. Uh, I, Grant Morrison brought up the idea and Mark way to a degree brought this up in birthright, uh, that he's also a huge science fiction nerd, which once that got brought up, I thought, of course he is. I would love to hear his opinions on the way that we talk about, is it bad uh, when we look at, at repeated bad portrayals of people of color or mm-hmm. transgender people? I would love to talk to Superman about what about aliens? Just <laughs> what do you think of Ripley? He you know, has well, in many cases, in many uh, instances of, of Superman creation there, he has a zoo in his <laughs> Fortress right, of Solitude right. he, he of has animals, inter- which not cool, Superman. He has the intergalactic zoo, <laughs> and there are different explanations where, like, it's, it's they're, they're, they're all the last of their kind. Right, he's so saving them home. in a cage, you know, in a frozen tundra. I mean, it's, not it's, cool, it's, Superman. <laughs> I was, and that's another thing that's, that I think is, it actually goes back to what I was saying, uh, what some people find tough about Superman. I love that the fortress in the comics has an intergalactic zoo and a time portal and all this stuff. And it never shows up in the movies because, again, I think there's this 
Hollywood, even with the Avengers out now, even with these other movies, there's still this line that Hollywood will go, well, let's not get too weird. Yeah, and I don't, yeah, I don't think it's weird, and I don't think other people, I don't think mainstream would even see it as weird if it was told, I think, the right way is that he has a life outside of Earth because yeah. he can fly around. He has this whole other life. Yeah, absolutely. In the universe yeah. that informs his life on Earth. Uh, but the Fortress of Solitude gets to that. Which it gets all... to that sort of like lonely stuff, which starts to make it more interesting to yeah. children if he is uh, sort of a lonely god who can fly away to a planet. Like, another planet's dying. Well, I'll go get this seven-eyed monster and put it in a cage. Well, also, that, that goes back to one of the things about Clark, uh, when people paint him as a coward, but then also when people... People will constantly bring up that Kill Bill speech to me. Mm -hmm. It's like, but don't you think that's a great insight on Superman? And I, and I always go, no, that's Bill's insight on Superman. Bill is a psychopathic killer. Right. Of course, he's interpreting this. This idea of Clark is his judgment on humanity. No. One, he grew up as Clark. Two, he loves us because if he didn't, if he didn't, if he thought humans were just these wretched, limited beings, he could leave. He's Superman. <laughs> yes. Know? He could so, fly away. Exactly. Except for maybe in the 80s. He would have had some trouble right, with that. Right. Besides 80s that, Superman was depowered. Uh, yeah. Looking back, less interesting to me. Speaking of depowered, if you could have just one of Superman's powers, what superpower would you want to have? Yeah, I'm, I'm always torn because my super <laughs> speed, super speed, I often say, is a power I would love to have. Yeah. It, just, it would make so many things in life easier. Um. Again, the Flash is one of my introductions to comics, so the fact that you could you could do anything remotely like him is so cool to me. Uh, but flight, man, flight is just such this beautiful. I mean, that's the dream. Yeah, to just of, be free of, of humanity. Yeah, just just to really to really rock that out. Um, <laughs> right. So, would you use it? Do you picture yourself just using it just to feel free, or? Do you think of practical applications, or is it just like, man, jump off a cliff, fly, damn? Yeah, I mean, it with with flights, it's it's it would be great if there could be practical applications, but again, just perspective is so fantastic. Which oh, is, okay. Which is uh, another thing, like uh, any any new experience that can give you a new perspective, I'm I'm all about. Um, you know, I mean, sometimes I get scared and I don't do it, but I I try to get whatever experiences will give me new perspectives, and one thing. Uh, I talked when I was a kid uh, briefly to Jim Lovell, who was on the Apollo 13 mission. Cool. And in my my uncle Ben uh, worked at NASA during that mission. He was on ground control. And in one thing that fascinates me about astronauts is astronauts who've been to space will talk about the shift in perspective when you actually are out there and you see Earth as a whole, mm -hmm. and how that did there's a dawning sensation in their mind of like, oh God, we're in this together. And Superman with flight gets that same perspective. Mm -hmm. He can leave the atmosphere. And there, there's actually a beautiful comic in one of the Superman annuals in um, 1995, in one of the Superman year one annuals, where he's really, he's flown before, but he's never left Earth's atmosphere really. And, and he goes up and he's sort of trying it out and he leaves the atmosphere and he looks back and he's just stunned of... I'm looking at Earth, and even sort of puts his hands in front of him so it looks like he's almost holding Earth. And it's just <laughs> fascinating to him of, like, how delicate this planet yeah, is. It is both beautiful and cynically kind of sounds like a, a bad Coke commercial from the <laughs> 1970s. <laughs> but, it, it, but it's just like, you know, flight, flight gives you such that perspective, and it's a dream, like, we all keep coming up with things. And, and frankly, 
although it wasn't one of his original powers, it's Superman's coolest power. And really, it needed to be there. It, it completes that idea that he is this angelic figure. Literally he's, floating above us. Yeah. Well, he, he's more than that. He's someone who came from the sky to help us. Yeah. Uh, not, uh, not just to save us, but, but to help us and to yeah. help us be more like him. Yeah. Taking it from just being able to jump to being able to fly makes him truly alien, which I think yes. is awesome. Yes. Um, we talked, we've talked a lot about his powers, uh, yeah. a little bit about his weakness. Uh, kryptonite is obviously awesome. Uh, and I think kind of a good metaphor for all of us. Obviously people just say that's my kryptonite. It's, it's also a beautiful symbol that literally a piece of his home can kill him. Yes. Which you know? is, that's great. If anybody doesn't like their family, you know, <laughs> they can really relate to it. We all have mixed feelings about where we came from. Yeah. And, and the idea that, you know, here's he even said in one comic, you know, when he's picking up this large chunk of kryptonite, he found, he was thinking this could have been a street that my parents walked on. Like this could have been a connection to my past. But if I took off this lead suit, it would kill me. And that's yeah. such a tragedy. Again, like there are all these, things in Superman's life that bring in tragedy and sadness and loneliness and so many human experiences that when people say he's not relatable, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. So, but, but you were going on, so kryptonite is, is yeah, this, I'm, this magic. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm curious about what your personal kryptonite is. When you relate to Superman, we were just talking about him being relatable, and I think kryptonite is relatable. Has, have there ever been things where you're like, that reminds me of kryptonite, that's a thing that I can't deal with? Uh... Yeah, there there was. Um, I think I'm getting better about a lot of these now. I've had like, relocating to Los Angeles or being in New York for the past 15 years. You also wind up introspecting a lot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, part of part of my kryptonite is uh, not giving myself um, sort of credit on certain things. Where when some people say like, oh, I, I love your work, like I've been reading all your stuff, like one of my, a lot of times my initial reaction is why? Uh, <laughs> there's so much other better stuff on the internet. And, okay. and I've learned to stop uh, doing that because that's, that's... So your question, you're not shocked that they enjoyed it, you're shocked that they read it to begin with. Even, even that, yeah. And that, or, you know, if they enjoyed it, cool. When they're, when they're complimenting as... You know, it made me want to keep following you. It used to be like, why? There are so many more successful and and uh, insightful people online here and there who have you know better budgets than I and, and everything. <laughs> and, uh, and I've learned to stop uh, doing that because that's also you create so many obstacles in your own life. Yeah, and that's one of them when you're telling yourself that you don't deserve uh, some kind of praise. There was also. Uh, for me, you know, there, there was, um, I would shift between, you know, doing my own thing and, and not caring how other people perceived me and caring way too much about how other people perceived me, uh, which is also, it's not directly kryptonite, but I think that's something that Superman worries about. And, and you see it in some stories where mm -hmm. it's, again, it's why he doesn't fly into the middle East and take over some things because whether he likes it or not. Some people will say, oh, he's becoming a dictator. He's trying to take over Earth. He's deciding our politics. Like, no, I saw people about to die. Right. And, and that worry about how you're perceived uh, is something I, I definitely relate to with Superman. Um, it's, it's also, uh, you know, with, with Kryptonite, there's also just, uh, I think, with certain interpersonal relations or... Um, 
whether it, with my parents, my parents and I used to not get along as much. Uh, okay, we're, so we're much better now. Literal kryptonite of yeah, the yeah. home places. Right. So I like <laughs> repelling it, you. It's been fine for years now, but say in in college when I came back, I could almost feel myself becoming meeker and quieter because I just wanted to avoid. Anything that would become an argument or anything that would become yeah, so you were you were being your Clark Kent you yeah, so you yeah. didn't have to fight about how you used your true full right exactly. power <laughs> exactly and and uh, uh, because there was a lot of things they didn't get and and once I started publishing books and once I started getting paid and once I started being asked to speak at places they started realizing things and then also I became more honest about certain aspects of my life and and so we're much better now like cool. we're extremely supportive but. In the old days, even in high school, like I, I, high school would end, I wouldn't leave. I would stick around. I would do theater. I would do uh, advanced placement art. I would do some government class because, and some, and I remember a couple of people asking like, how come you never go home? Like, because like home isn't here. I would rather yeah. be here than home. <laughs> like if I go this home. This is new home. Yeah. yeah but if, if I go home, then I feel weak and like I'm not doing well enough and I don't want to do that. Yeah. Well, so, that, I think that also gets back to uh, some of the power of Superman that we were talking about is being not just sort of goofy in his super bright superhero costume, but that willing willingness to own who he is. Yes. And, and that's, and that's huge. Uh, one of my, one of my favorite moments of Superman Ever across the board, and I wish I could see this in live action media because I honestly I think America needs it. Is uh, in Superman for all seasons, he's he's sort of new. Not everyone knows who he is yet. This kid is playing on a ledge, falls at the ledge. Superman scoops him up, puts him down. The kid looks at him, has never seen this guy before, and looks over him and just sort of goes, "Wow, cool costume!" And Superman <laughs> smiles. Oh, thanks. My mom made it for me. <laughs> Total without irony, yeah. without embarrassment, not apologizing. My mom made this costume for me, and yeah, it is cool. <laughs> I love that. That's Superman to me in, in so much of a nutshell. Like, that That just, yeah, this is me. Yeah, and I feel like maybe he is a, a really good interpretation. We're probably not going to get it on, on screen soon because we've got Dark Superman right now. But it would be great uh, to have that push back against the sort of the irony that we have lived with for a long time uh, with a Superman who is just like, yep, go ahead and laugh at me behind my back. But this kid thought my costume was cool. No, it's, and there are so many moments like that peppered through my favorite Superman stories. There's there's a great moment in a Denny O'Neill story where he and Batman take down these gun runners and uh, he he looks at his watch basically and he's just like, hey, I've still got a few hours before I have to clock in as Clark Kent. Do you want to grab like a coffee at, at a diner nearby? I know this place. Mm -hmm. And Batman sort of goes like, no, I can't. No, I, I'm exhausted and crime never rests. And he's like slinking to the night and Superman just sort of waves, well, okay, I'll see you later. <laughs> and not only was his mood not disrupted, but what I love is he didn't specify whether he meant let's change the Clark and Bruce and go to the diner, or if he literally meant, let's go to the diner right now. If Superman right. is that chill, that he would not think twice about bringing Batman into a diner and grabbing a booth together. Well, and, and maybe, yeah, maybe he wants to bring Bruce into the light a little bit. Yeah, or even, exactly. Even Batman. Tim Tim Daly, who voiced Superman in the '90s animated series and some of the animated uh, direct DVD features, I talked to him one time about the relationship between Clark and Bruce, and he was saying that. Over the years, he's, he's come to believe that Clark is actually kind of amused by the Dark Knight persona. Because as badass and demonic as Bruce gets, Clark can always say, 
But I know there's an English butler who's allowed to give you crap. And yeah. I know that you're a softie who takes in orphan kids and make sure that they become better. Right. So it's kind of uh, not in a super heroic way, but but poking at a weakness of Batman for as armored as he is. Uh, and, he and, can't just fly around being himself. Yeah. And, and recognizing like, you know, it's you can be scary to other people, but I know you. And I think that's part of the reason they, they become such good friends is they're not terribly impressed with each other's public image. They see each other for who they are. Right. Um, in Kingdom Come, there's that great line where Superman just says, look, you, you rip away everything else. Batman and Superman are two orphans who don't want other people to die. Yeah, which is awesome. Speaking of Superman sort of living loud and proud, uh, this is a little bit more of an odd question. But what do you think would be Superman's go-to karaoke song? Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's. I think it would be something like really. Cla- I'm, temp- I'm tempted to say like something really classic, like Johnny Be Good. <laughs> like just something that's just so like no one could possibly object to this yeah, song. Yeah, who it's wouldn't like this fun. song? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, rock and roll. It's another original you know, American art form. Like yeah, or, li- or, or like. Uh, uh, journey like it's it's something where i'm also i'm also curious like something just like so ridiculously like out don't there stop believing don't not necessarily don't stop believing <laughs> but maybe any way you want it because uh, it's just it's such a like call to action i think i think call to action songs he, w- he would really dig uh i think he would dig the script uh superheroes which oh is, which yeah! Is a great call to action song. Yeah, absolutely. So an anthem. He would definitely go for. Oh yeah, an it's gotta be. You gotta be big. I mean, yeah. even even his theme song, that John Williams score. I didn't realize until I, I listened to the commentary on that movie. And, and again, like I saw that movie when I was a kid, and it was all right. You know, it was it was one of other things. And then when I saw it again in high school, just something collective like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. Uh, partially because I was reading Grant Morrison Superman comics, and he he just made me. With artist Howard Porter, he made me finally get Superman. I felt like, oh, he's an angel. I get it now. He's our big brother. He's not saving us. He's our he's our older brother who wants us to be better. And right. And older brothers look amazing when you're a younger brother, but then right. when you get older, you realize that well, they're humans yeah. too. And the point is not to rely on them. Like, yeah. And and, and uh, but but that John Williams score in the commentary, uh, director Richard Donner points out that one of the reasons he loved it is that basically is like to him he heard it as the instruments actually shouting superman yeah and now i hear that every time i hear that like i literally hear superman like from the instruments they've somehow achieved a human voice do you think he would ever do that at karaoke sing along to his own theme and just shout i think he would be embarrassed (laughs) as hell i think because clark is again someone who I, i and i love those aspects about clark that he doesn't see himself as living up to his myth. He understands that there is a myth around him. He doesn't see himself as actually living up to it. That is a perception and that's people not giving themselves enough credit. People Mm -hmm. who think they wouldn't have done this, of course you would have because if people understand what they can really do and what their actions really can do, good or bad, of course they would behave this way because that's the right thing to do. There's the Kryptonian belief there's a right and a wrong in the universe, and that distinction is not often hard to make. Yeah. 
Awesome. Uh, so the old description of Superman's powers uh, was faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. All yeah. makes great sense for late 30s, early 40s. Right, because he was supposed to be an advanced human. Kryptonians were just humans, but a million years more advanced. Right, so he was able to do all these cool things uh, that relate to the sort of technology of the time. What do you think the modern version should that of that should be? Oh, what the it, description? Yeah. Oh, um, it's like... Uh, like faster than a stealth jet, um, <laughs> like more powerful than uh, iPhone six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Better, better at gathering information than iPhone seven. Let's go higher. Nice. Um, uh, you know, uh, able able to like leap over political double talk bullshit in a single bound. Like, let's just nice. be honest and talk about problems. Nice. I like that it is a mix of technology, but also uh, just more uh, the actual sort of political well, landscape. And he's, he's able always, to navigate better. And he was created to be a political character. He was a Depression-era yeah. character. Uh, unlike, along with, like, he wasn't the first masked hero or, or disguised hero to wear a skin-tight costume. That was the Phantom. And he wasn't the first one to exactly have powers. Dr. Occult, who was made by the same creators, also had mystical powers. But Dr. Occult's powers were because of talismans. Mm -hmm. Superman had them inherently. That was new. He took the John Carter idea of a planet with lesser mass and gravity will give me enhanced abilities. He stole that. But he also had like in increased intelligence and all this jazz. But beyond all that... There were two things that separated him from the previous guys, like the Shadow mm -hmm. and the Green Hornet and the Lone Ranger. One is he's not just interested in punishing evil. He is interested in rehabilitating that evil. And uh, the other is, is the scope of, of things. Like, he doesn't, right. he doesn't stay in Metropolis. Uh, even in the first issue, like, he's, he's going outside of the city. In the second issue, he goes to another country and, like, grabs two... Uh, generals of opposing armies and throws them into a room together. It's like, okay, you want a war here? You're both in the room fight. Yeah. And that's nuts. And <laughs> like that first two part story is him taking a war profiteer, making him enlist so that he will see the effects of war. He could have just scared him into not profiteering off war, yeah. but he wants him to see what he did. That's insane. And I think that's part of what makes, Lex Luthor, if he's full scientist, I don't think that works anymore. I think that is outdated. If he's full businessman, not a scientist, also doesn't work for me. He's just skinnier kingpin then. Yeah. Scientist and businessman, yes. And part of that is that Lex Luthor as businessman, as someone who will do science but without morality, is someone who does a lot of double talk. Yeah. And Superman is so great in that he's a Kansas farm boy who just wants to be earnest and thinks other people should be earnest. He doesn't like bullies. So the double talk is like, bah, 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 bah. shut up. You're doing wrong. You yeah. know you're doing wrong. And that's a great conflict that I think we can all relate to because we see that stuff all the time, whether it's CEOs or politicians. I think we all acknowledge and accept it. I think, yeah. I, I think there are very few people in America who aren't savvy enough to know that even though I agree with this guy, I know he's not saying it in the most direct way, and I know he's right. dodging X because he doesn't right. want to deal with Y. Uh, yeah, so that's a fascinating uh, idea of Superman as somebody who is open to that level yeah. of complexity in his sort of problem solving, but also wants things to be as direct as possible, yeah. which makes for a lot of yeah. also interesting internal conflict of like, I want to just have a farm boy, simple, meat and potatoes yeah. attitude to things, but 
I often can't. Yeah, and, and recognizing that, recognizing your own limitations and when you have to step beyond them is, again, a very human experience. And... But and it's it's a desire we can all we can all relate to. Like he gets that some things are complex, but can't we talk about them openly instead of you giving me the most diplomatic answer because you think you'll offend me or the people listening? Yeah. Like, no, let's just. What is the real problem? Why haven't we fixed this? Yeah. So what speaking we- of uh, speaking of real problems, if you were Superman, yeah, and you could address one real world problem in a Superman like way, what would you try to address? I mean, honestly, I, I think it would be political corruption. If you've got senses like he has, let's just, you know, WikiLeaks was was one thing. Let's really go for it. Let's yeah. bring out, like, physical evidence. Let's, let's show this stuff. And then I think I would like to do sort of what Superman does, like, through example. Right. Show power doesn't have to corrupt, uh, which is one of the whole points. And, and, uh, and they're getting back to that. Greg Pak is getting back to that in in uh, his run on Action Comics right now, where Superman is standing with people who th- these this police SWAT team are ready to forcibly move out of the street, and Superman stands with them. It's like, no, you do not you do not have to bring violence here. They are doing nothing wrong. Cool. Um, so yeah, I would try. I would. The first thing would be political corruption because there are people who should not be in power. So you'd be the sort of like you'd sort of anti Watergate things. You would go and get all of the information, bring it out into the yeah, open, yeah. and let other people decide. Let's just freaking do this. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't like look up information on like black ops missions the military is doing over there because I don't want American soldiers killed or anything. Right, but you just like use but, your super speed to get into no, Congress. Let's, let's get go to actual information out in the public. Let's go to let other let's people go to decide. Congress. Let's go to HSBC. Like, what are they doing? Like, these CEOs, like, what are these Wall Street f- folks doing? Let's make it, there's so much evidence that the people rise up, like, no, you have to persecute these guys now. You can't just keep saying you owe us $5 million. Like, right. do something. <laughs> awesome. Shake up the world. So, uh, I'm going to ask you the how obsessed are you questions. Yes, everybody on the podcast. Do you think about Superman every day? Nowadays, probably. Like, there's, there's at least something... Like, it might be an aspect of the character of just like, oh, that reminds me of Kryptonite or something, or that reminds me of the story. Or it might just be where I'm ticked off. Like, I will sort of ask myself now, like, well, what's Superman do? Oh, cool. Um, and, yeah, so, just about. And just chill out. Yeah. The Superman would chill out. Yeah. Awesome. Would you get a Superman tattoo? Uh, maybe. Maybe. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be him. I don't know that it would be the S-Shield. Uh, but it might be like a, a Kryptonian symbol, okay, or uh, something in Kryptonian. Um, yeah, Krypton has a lot of great imagery, uh, at least classic Krypton and, and birthright Krypton. So yeah, I would I would consider it. It would depend on what the image was. Yeah, do you know Kryptonian well enough to know like this image means? I know some letters. This? I okay. know some letters, and I know some of the symbols they've established. Can you spell Sizzler with Kryptonian letters? You can. You can absolutely. <laughs> Um, and uh, the what? If, so fun thing like Superman's symbol is hope. If you turn it upside down, then just like with a pentagram, it takes on a different meaning. Uh-huh. Uh, in, in the comics, Mark Wade established that if you turn it upside down, it means resurrection. All right, just a little trivia. <laughs> Would you get a resurrection tattoo? <laughs> no, I don't think I'm coming back when I finally go. I'm not that arrogant. So you don't want to lie to yourself with your yeah. Tattoo. Let's not let's not do false hope. Uh, fair enough. Uh, this is a question uh, I often ask, but it takes on a little bit more uh, resonance with Superman. Would you discuss Superman with Hitler? 
Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. I would laugh my ass off at him. I would just... This this pathetic, disgusting little monster of a human being who was aware of the Superman comics and was aware of comics in general. He was aware that, you know, there were comics where Captain America punched him in the face on the cover. Yeah. And it annoyed the hell out of him. Absolutely. I would love to sit with Hitler and just say, you know how small you are? In a few years, you are gone. Yeah. And this Nazi movement is gone. And more than 50 years later, Superman is still here. Yeah. And is affecting more people on a daily level than you have in these past few years. A lot more Superman tattoos than Hitler tattoos. True. Which is great. True. In the way it should be. <laughs> uh, would you read or write Superman slash fiction? Slash? I don't really have the mentality for slash fiction. Yeah? It's, it's, uh, I can appreciate it. I've listened to <laughs> friends uh, do dramatic readings of, of slash fiction. That is hilarious. Yeah. Um, but beyond, like, and then they got together. I don't really have the mentality to... That's not really the genre that I, that I write great for. Uh, would you... If, if, if it was an assignment to have a Superman, Batman, slash fiction that you were writing, you were being paid money... Oh, okay. Do you think you could find truths of the characters to share within yes. the context of slash fiction? Oh, absolutely. Well, it's, it's, I'm very much a fan of we shouldn't assume heterosexuality is the default. Right. So, yeah, I would just open up with the premise of, okay, Superman and Batman are both bisexual, and this has just not been explored before. Like, go with that. My thing is that I'm, I'm a romantic. I, I'm always more... There's a great... Uh, Tracy Hickman, who, who wrote a lot of the Dragonlance Chronicles, talked about he never liked to do uh, sex scenes in his fiction. He would do what he called the Kirk boot scene. Okay. Which was that in Star Trek, you would see Kirk and a woman getting very close. It would cut to something else, and then you would cut to Kirk is putting his boots on. Okay. So I would probably, that's that's how I would write, because like, I think writing about sex, like unless you're going for full-blown hilarity, is just awkward and, and ridiculous. And so... I would much be more interested in writing the romance leading up to the kiss. Right. So you would write this story where Batman says yes to going out to the diner. Right. And, and they have a nice romantic and start, conversation. And they start sharing things with each things other. Awesome. And maybe they both reach for the salt at the same time. Their fingers <laughs> graze, like just graze each other. And it's very awkward. Awesome. Uh, speaking of awkward, would you watch a Superman movie directed by David Lynch? Oh, that would be fascinating. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to. Right. I wouldn't necessarily agree with it, but I think, yeah, I'd have to. It's, yeah, it's, Lynch is so much about digging under the roots of Americana like Superman. You've, you've got that, and if, if he wanted to bring in any Kryptonian mythology, because some of that Kryptonian mythology is fascinating. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, their creation myth is basically that two astronauts came to Krypton from different worlds, which I love, that even their creation myth is sci-fi. Yeah. That their Adam and Eve would be astronauts. And, and then you've got... Creatures on Krypton that like project your thoughts back at you so that you leave them alone. That's how they get rid of predators. It's like that's nuts. Yeah. If you gave Lynch something like that, ah, oh, you could go. If you gave him the Phantom Zone, like ah, oh, Phantom that, Zone. He would do the zoo in the. Uh... Hell yes, he would do the zoo. He would have these bizarre, abstract creatures in the zoo. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, would you break up with someone you were dating if they said, "I just don't like Superman"? It would depend on what they meant by that. If, <laughs> <laughs> you got to do some investigative journalism. Well, if, if it's because I've dated people who are really not into comics um, or particularly into Doctor Who, which is another great love of mine. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. 
as long as you get why I like it and, and you respect that stuff. If it's not just, I don't like Superman, but like, I think Superman's a dork, you've shown me these things, and I just think that's such a pansy attitude, I think that's, I think that's such a, an unrealistic optimism when the world sucks and da 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 then I would have to say like, no, see, this isn't working because <laughs> our philosophies will be clashing. Right. So if Superman, uh, if they just kind of didn't like him as entertainment value, surface level, yeah. fine. But if they saw the truth of what he was and rejected his philosophy, basically, you'd be basically. like, there's the door. Or, or if you can't even accept like the, the absurdity of the world. Like I, I love that in in the silver age comics, he had a dog. Oh yeah, crypto. I love crypto. I yeah. love crypto so much. And again, that's unapologetic. This is a this is a weird science fiction fairy tale I inhabit. Yeah, and I have a dog that can fly and shoot heat vision. <laughs> Deal with it. And and if you if you're just like, well, I like Superman when he's darker and kicking ass. Like, and a dog just seems silly. I would be like, I, I would say then you're not gonna like a lot of what I'm into, and you're not gonna like some of the stuff I try to achieve. <laughs> In what I create. Yeah. So this ain't working. I like that everything you're saying makes sense and is good relationship advice, but also hinges on somebody's ability to accept a super dog, <laughs> which supports it's, what you're saying. Crypto is a great barometer. Yeah. I mean, I've been thinking about that a lot with all of the discussions of all of our genre media about, you know, there are a lot of things that are weird on surf on the surface. Right. And if you can get past that, there are these deep, honest truths about humanity and our yeah. lives that are reflected in them and I think that's that's great and I think the more we can accept that the more accurate sort of representation genre is with yeah. actual humans because we're all weird on the surface um, and, then, and then this next question will support that would you swear to none over Superman to what would you swear to none over Superman like if a nun got up in your face and was like Superman's dumb oh <laughs> oh that would be fantastic because I, <laughs> I, I grew up I grew up uh, going to Sunday school and, and all, so I have, I have a healthy um, rebellion against uh, the Catholic Church, and and uh, and I'm not really a part of any organized religion anymore. Uh, so yeah, I I was definitely someone who enjoyed bringing up in Sunday school, but like, but where did that dude's wife come from? If he's <laughs> if he's the only other kid here, and like, so I think what I would love to do if if some religious figure were like getting up in my face and saying Superman's bad or, or if, if one of the protesters at Comic-Con truly got in my face yeah, they haven't yet and I wait for the day uh, <laughs> if they truly got in my face and were like you know this is an Id idol and you're an idolater and stuff I would love to totally co-op um, Homer's one of the great Homer Simpson moments where he falls to his knees and just goes help me Superman help me <laughs> <laughs> I would love to do that just nice. for the reaction. Absolutely, that's and great. you got to commit to it. You got to like not smile during that. Just <laughs> you got to look serious. It's fun to talk to somebody who is a, a well-read, well-researched journalist because when you saw when you said Homer, I was waiting. <laughs> Does he mean Simpson <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or that other Homer? No, that we don't no, talk about I, as much. I absolutely mean Simpson. <laughs> that great line from Homer. Simpson. Yeah. Uh, so this is the final uh, how obsessed are you question. If you couldn't read a Superman story without you or someone you love first being punched in the crotch, would you still read Superman stories? I would be far more selective. <laughs> <laughs> Only the good Superman yeah, stories. Yeah, like, like All-Star Superman, Superman Birthright. Um, you know, maybe, maybe Miracle Monday uh, now and then when I needed to. 
Uh, and then I think the rest, I would just rely on my memory being good enough. <laughs> you would redraw them yourself. Yeah. I was just like, yeah, I'll just, you know, this will be fine. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, and how often would you read them if you had to be punched in the crotch first? That would, that would probably be like no more than every six months, maybe. Okay. So it'd be a, like a twice a year treat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. It'll, it'll mark when time is passing. Nice. Uh, can you make a noise to sum up your obsession with Superman? Yeah. Was that the noise? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's just this satisfied, yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, that makes sense. That makes sense a lot of the way you talk about him and the way you post about him on online. Because yeah. when you talk about Superman on on Twitter or other social media, it's always like, damn it, this is Superman. You and, seem and, like in a, in a constant search for the truth of Superman. Like, you have that moment, like this hound just made, of like sort of zen satisfaction. It when is. It absolutely is. Because cause part of the... This is a short story here. The years ago, I was in a comic shop and and someone was doing some research on Superman for like some some thesis she was writing, and so she came in there asking for like what are things about Superman's morality and his moral code that I could read. And the clerk pointed to me. I would help her out. So sure, I didn't work there, but you know, I was a pal. <laughs> so you're just like the norm from Cheers of this. Yeah, place. yeah, sort of. And and uh, so I was explaining certain things, and she was getting increasingly frustrated, I could see. And I realized at a certain point that part of her whole concept was Superman is so moral and good because he's an alien, because mm -hmm. of alien upbringing. And that I was talking about the Kents raising him, how good they were, and that he has trial and error, and he works with some of the best people, and Lois Lane is this amazing inspiration for him, was going against that. Because her whole thing is like, but no one would be as good as Superman with that power. And my whole thing and what I, I keep talking about on Twitter, online, is the point of Superman is, yes, we all could be. We all could be this with this power. And he believes that. And that's why he's still here. And that's why he loves us. And so, yeah, when and when I whenever I see an image that just sort of brings it up and is like, yeah, like, Awesome. We are worth it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Uh, we're going to go into our final questions, but first, uh, do you want to plug where people can find you out in the internets? Sure. So I do a podcast called Crazy Sexy Geeks. There was an old one called Crazy Sexy Geeks, the podcast. <laughs> and and I sort of retired that like a couple years ago. Uh, the new one is just called Crazy Sexy Geeks. It's only got about five episodes up. Uh, and you can find that on iTunes. You can find that on Stitcher. You can find that on SoundCloud. I also, uh, I write for various different things, so to keep up with that, you can follow me on Twitter at SizzlerKistler or at AlanKistler.com. I'll be at GeekGirlCon, I'll be at Kamikaze, and I'll be doing a few book signings here and there. So, yeah, keep up with the website and, and Twitter and, and keep track of me. Awesome. So here are our final questions. They don't have anything to do with your main obsession, but they can if you want to. Uh, if you could make the whole world think one word at the same time, what word would it be? I'm tempted to say moist, <laughs> just, just yeah. to see, just to see the wave of reactions, because everyone has a different reaction to that word. Yeah, and a lot of them are bad. Uh, so that most be, of them, yes. Yeah. I think it's a word that mostly describes underwear or cake, which yeah, is exactly. it's bad. Yeah, and you don't want to combine those either. Yeah, it's a bad um, <laughs> Venn diagram there. So, so yeah, it, it would, it would, it would either be that or whimsy. 
<laughs> Which is a wonderful word. If you could do two, I would love the whole world to have to say moist whimsy. And wonder <laughs> what whimsy moist. Terrible cartoon on Adult Swim is that? Oh, God. Uh, if you could command an army of animals, what specific animal would you want to command? Huh. Um... See, my, my impulse would be penguin because that would be adorable. But the fact is their lack of, of thumbs and hands is going to limit what they can do for yeah, me. Yeah, mostly just kind of waddle at people, right? Right. I mean, well, we saw Batman Returns, how well that worked out. You know, they just... They were armed with rockets, right? Yeah, they were armed with rockets and bizarrely intelligent. Uh, I, I would... I think I would have to go for um, either... either uh, some form of gorilla or <laughs> nice. or because then they can do things and also no one's going to mess with you if you like you have a hundred gorillas around you. right it's the planet of the ape scenario um or i would love if it could be some kind of fictional animal like if i could grab like dragons or something it's got to be a real animal that i think gorilla uh would be probably the the best that would, right that so would if you could have needs. flying gorillas that would be oh yeah if you, if you have flying gorillas then that's insane <laughs> like you you just you rule the world now yeah i feel like you've already answered the last question uh just by bringing up flying gorillas yeah but uh the final question for everyone on the podcast is what is happiness <laughs> uh honestly for me happiness is is just uh, a comfortable seat in conversation awesome yeah that's great. Can you make your happy Superman noise one more time down the podcast? Yeah. Thank you very much. That is our <laughs> podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Obsessed.